Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the Small Council Podcast on Brooklyn Rebound Network Podcast. Uh, thanks everyone for joining me this evening. Of course, it's your boy, King of the Pod, Drew, over here. And uh, listen, I'm going to do something a little bit different for today's council because uh, I'm not holding council this week. Uh, you know, of course, we, I watched... Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 5, entitled Eastwatch. I watched, but look, if you listen to last week's episode with me and Chris Greyjoy, you'll know that my Lord Hand, Eric, is uh, currently serving a two-week suspension for a cartoon-based treason. Uh, He knows what he did. It involves Rick and Morty and, and him hating on it, so that wasn't cool. Good episode of Rick and Morty yesterday, by the way. A little kind of, uh, I don't know, I guess a superhero movie spoof. And uh, Rick acting like a dick as usual. It's not the Morty cast anyway. But, uh, so, no hand, he's on suspension. No Chris Greyjoy. I did have to send him off after our last council to, uh, you know, go find uh, the Golden Company formula or some type of uh, self-sort group to bring over here uh, that can protect me. Um, meanwhile, of course, Lady Finger is still out treating in High Garden, Colorado. I, I think uh, she better be. I, I need uh, more money uh, for when Chris Greyjoy gets back. Got to pay more to these cell swords. And um, yeah, I'm not bringing anyone new on right now because I, I just can't trust anybody. I think there's poisoners everywhere. People out to get me. Look, I'm king of the pod. I got a lot of enemies. You know, they they could be lurking around every corner. I couldn't even go into the... I didn't go to the cube right today. I couldn't head down to the small council room. Can't risk it. Right now, it's just up here in my chambers in Casterly Pod. So that's what I'm doing. But, you know, I still... I I uh, did have to brave the airwaves here, brave the pod waves to talk about this Eastwatch episode because it was a pretty, uh, pretty good one. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff happened. I will say off the bat here with this episode, it was, um, I mean, it's almost like we're watching a different show at some points this season, especially this episode, with uh, the time frame they're working with and with the pace just being so accelerated, you know, in past seasons, it would take one character more than a season to get from point A to point B. Now, every other scene this season, especially this episode, like I said, one place to the other, Danny's moving all around. Uh, people are going to King's Landing, back to Dragonstone, back up north. It's crazy, but, you know, a couple things. Not a perfect episode. A couple things I didn't care for, um, really starting off the bat, especially. One of the main things was the, the resolution to the Jan, uh, the Jamie Bronn. Uh, when Bronn jumped off his horse to save Jamie and knocked him into the water. That was, uh, much too convenient, I would say, and, uh, it was pretty stupid, honestly. We already mentioned last week. He knocked him off into the water, which was when Jamie's horse was charging at Danny. Looked to be a shallow uh, river line there. Then uh, Bronn knocks him in. They plunge into the, the deep depths, it looks like. Then this episode opens up, and we got... Uh, they're like a mile down the river. Uh, so how did that happen? A teleportation device, you know, just in the river there. I, I don't know. So that was dumb. Didn't like that. Also because they, you know... Logically speaking, how did Danny let him, Tyrion, I don't know, maybe Tyrion would let him get away or just thought he died or I don't know. I mean, obviously later in an episode he finds out he didn't, they, the brothers meet up again. But 
Uh, Danny should have had the Dothraki searching for, you know, to find Brad and Jamie when they, they walk back to King's Landing. Who knows? So, anyway, that was a quibble. A couple other quibbles, but um, overall, though, uh, uh, definitely a setup episode for what should be a, uh, unfortunately, only two episodes left, six and seven, but pretty good setup episode with more crazy meetups uh, for what should be a great rest of the season. But yeah, I can can recap the episode a little more, but you know, I'm gonna go first and read. Uh, so it looks like I did get a, a raven in uh, from up north, actually. Uh, so let's let me get this out. Yeah, it's from my good uncle up north. You know, he's um, he's he has a keep up. And it's kind of like the last hearth. You know, it's a, it's pretty up north, um, Albany area. So that's pretty close to the wall, I, I would say. He's really holding it down up north there uh, for my kingdom, but. He wanted to, I guess he wanted to send me a quick little raven here and say that he's been enjoying the podcast. So that's nice of the uncle there. Um, and, uh, he, you know, basically, uh, he's, yeah, he's holding it down for me there. He's looking out for any usurpers that are trying to get my, my uh, throne here as the king of the pod uh, up, up there in the north. I, I hope he's looking out for any, like, white walkers or anything that come down. And they're going to they're gonna see him first, so keep those away but he also had a little suggestion here for me um he said well actually his suggestion was that not just his letter should be read uh which i'm doing now but uh, some of my other letters i don't know if this is, this is fan mail for the king of the pod or or uh, maybe some of these people have legitimate questions they want the king's help but apparently yeah some of my mail got stuck up north he sent it down on this raven so I got a, a few questions uh, to answer here. So, all right, well, maybe we should start off the pod by doing that, then. That's, that sounds like a good idea. Thank you, Uncle. You know who you are. All right. <clears throat> Let's see what we've got here in the mailbag. The Raven bag. Okay. First Raven letter says, <clears throat> uh, My husband won't listen when I talk, and... When I try to show, I can read good. How do I make him pay attention? Sign G. Okay, G. I guess kind of want to be anonymous there with the one initial. That's fine. That's fine. So husband not listening when uh, I'm assuming it's a she is talking and trying to show uh, reading prowess. Hmm. Well, let me think about this one. I guess, you know, when, when your man's had a hard day at work, Sometimes um, he's not always in the mood to hear hear your talking. He wants to maybe vent about his problems, and I guess you got it's, it's a good wife to let let him do that. Now at the same time, um, he, he should be listening to you as well. He shouldn't get too wrapped up in his own issues with. I'm assuming what his boss is probably something. Like that's what a men uh, complain about work. Their bosses uh, not listening to them as well. You know maybe his bosses won't listen to him. In turn, he's not listening to you. G. So, um, I mean, you you really just have to distract him, I guess. I don't know if reading stuff is really going to do it. Um, even if it's, like, pretty interesting stuff you're reading, um, you know, about marriages, getting annulled, famous princes, things like that. Maybe you can, I don't know, what other scrolls they got uh, there for you? You know, there's maybe some uh, erotica. I, I don't know. Maybe that gets him excited. Um... Hmm. Well, yeah, I know this is like a love line or something here. I'm trying to tell you how to spice it up, but 
I guess you just want to be paid attention to. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one for me to, to start off with there. I don't know, gee, that, that's a hard one. I guess you just have to um, keep trying. You know, first you don't succeed, keep talking. He'll eventually start hearing you, probably. I don't know. All right, let's see what else we got here on uh, from the Ravens and the letter pile here. Okay, this says, <clears throat> any recommendations for a new agent? I'm not happy with my current representation. Signed, Ghost. Huh. Okay. Um, Ghost, the direwolf, I, I'm assuming this is. Maybe, uh, I, I think I see what's going on here. He's probably not happy that the dragons are getting so much burn lately on GOT, the show. Um, and, you know, they're expensive uh, to bring on set, but I guess they're popular, so, um, you know, the showrunners want to bring them on. Meanwhile, a guy like Ghost, the direwolf, uh, is also expensive, um, and they're choosing the dragons over him. That's frustrating. New agent, you know, I'm I'm a king. I'm not really um, in the entertainment world. I don't have an agent myself. And, uh, any agents want to hit me up, though? I, the king's always looking for new opportunities, movies, TV, stuff like that. Let me get some appearances, appearance fees coming in. Come on. So I need an agent, too, Ghost, to be honest. Maybe you should help me, honestly. When you find one, hey, hook, hook me up, Ghost. Anyway, yeah, it's tough, though. It's tough luck. Um, maybe we'll see you. Uh, I mean, hopefully you book something um, soon. And maybe... um. Maybe you could try another show. I don't know, you know, I don't have to relegate yourself to just uh, GOT. Stranger Things is popping off. That's popular. Maybe try to get in. It's probably too late for a Stranger Things season two. Maybe try to get in season three and the upside down. And maybe you could be your upside down self too. Like, hey, that's a way to get some money right there. Two different roles on a show like that. Yeah, I think you should uh, give that a try. All right, hopefully that was helpful. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. All right, now this uh, Raven letter reads, <clears throat> ah, Lord of the Pod Drew. Well, not not getting off to a good start there, letter writer. Uh, Lord of the Pod, that's not really the proper way to address me. I am a king. Um, if you're not going to address it to your grace, yeah, king of the Pod Drew, not lord. So bad start there, but I guess I'll, you know, guess I'll continue and see what you're saying here. Um, I know you, uh, like food. Sure, who doesn't? Let's see, uh, I'm throwing a little, uh, shindig at summertime. What are some good sides to serve at a tarly queue? Hmm. Okay, having a tarly queue, huh? That's interesting. Uh, signed, Danny T, uh, pitmaster general of the Great Grass Sea, first of her name, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, I'm not going to read all these excessive titles that are on this letter here so forget that especially not after i'm addressed them properly as lord rather than king but I, I can go with the question it is food you know it's summer i like to throw some food restaurants so you're having a tarly queue um and sm you're smoking out basically i guess uh you know not in the not in that sense but in the barbecue sense um smoking some meats and what goes good with that? Mac and cheese is always good. Make sure you have a lot of hot sauce for that mac and cheese. Some uh, Sprinkle some breadcrumbs on there. Uh, you know, a good salad's always good. It's a little boring, but a good salad's always good. Some crisp lettuce. A couple um, tomatoes on there. You could even, uh, you know, a cucumber tomato salad. That's one of my favorites, honestly. So you can actually put the lettuce to the side. 
chop up some cukes and tomatoes, a little vinaigrette, maybe a little balsamic vinaigrette. That's good for your tarly Um, Let's see what I, I mean. You probably want some dessert on there. I'm gonna get some like apple crumble in there. It's not really sad. I guess it's dessert, but uh, yeah, make sure you got plenty of ch types of chips. Make sure you got beer, uh, Danny T. Ale, uh, wine, all that stuff. Mead, I guess. You know, you want to you wanna keep the people happy while, while you're smoking that meat out. Um, make sure they're well-fed. So, yeah, and, and not, nothing too fancy there. Um, hey, you could always make some of my world-famous, uh, my kingdom-famous garlic bread that I actually uh, cooked up the other day. You would think a king like myself is going to be uh, only uh, letting my cooks handle everything. And, of course, I do have cooks. But, um, you know, sometimes I really like to mix it up down there in the kitchens get down there myself every once in a blue moon you know it happened this week where i went down to the kitchens here in casterly pod uh said everyone out of my way i'm gonna make a little of my world famous garlic bread which uh, was very delicious so yeah i i won't give the divulge the recipe here but uh danny t anyone else hit me up for that directly and uh maybe i'll give you that you can bring that to your next tarly queue all right let's see what else we got here a couple more looks like all right, here's uh, here's one. A little long here, okay. Um, <clears throat> Did you know that Lady Sansa betrayed the family in season one? Question mark. Seriously, she really did. Anyway, please, whatever you do, do not show this letter to any sisters of Lady Stark. I mean it. This is top secret. Little wink. Drew a little wink on there. Um... Lord Bay, it's signed Lord Bay, aka not for Arya. That's a, a strange signature. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of this Raven letter. Um, this might just be someone having, trying to have fun at my expense. I don't, I don't know what this is. Uh, some type of code. I'm mean, talking about Lady Stark. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just gonna, sorry, Lord Bay. I don't, I'm, not, I'm gonna get, get rid of that one. No, no answer for me there. Uh, Alright, we got one more. We got one more. Alright, this is scrawled pretty uh, pretty hard to read, but it uh, looks like this person's not uh, not the finest with a quill, but <clears throat> that's alright. Let's try to, try to make out what it says. Have you seen the big woman? Have you seen the big woman? Signed T. Bearfooker. T. Bearfooker. Um, no, I haven't seen the big woman. Sorry, man. You know, if I if she happens by uh, casually pod the grounds, you know, maybe I'll let you know. Honestly, probably not. T Bear Fugger, sorry, but uh, thanks for writing in. Cool. Yeah. So so again, uh, my uncle up north, Manning Last Hearth up there. Good 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 idea to uh, um, have me read some of those letters out on the pod. I was hoping for a little more fan mail, honestly, people espousing my virtues, but. You know, maybe next time that'll be there. But I, I think I helped out those people, so that's that's cool. All right, so what else we got to do today? Oh, I think we got to talk a little bit more about the episode Eastwatch. So, you know, I already talked about Jamie and Bron uh, teleporting out of the river there. All right, that was lame, but but fine. Jamie makes his way back to King's Landing uh, to talk to Cersei. He's pretty shook. Uh, he's a shuck one about the Dothraki army, the dragon. He's like, we ain't winning this shit. It ain't happening. Cersei's still on her cray shit, though. She's saying, you know, uh, we'll just 
we lost our Lannister soldiers. Well, we got we did get the money, which they did get. Um, talked about that last episode with Chris Greyjoy. They did end up getting that money that they took from the Tyrells. So she wants to just hire the the Golden Company or sell swords. And by the way, me and Cersei are now in I guess direct competition because I sent Chris Greyjoy to try to get the Golden Company for me. So hopefully he prevails. If not, though, we might see in a future episode that. Yeah, that'd be a, a tough way for me to find out, but Cersei might be bringing them over herself. But even so, Jamie says, you know, they're not going to be able, at no army he knows is going to be able to beat these Dothraki in the open field. Just like old Bob B was talking about season one, and uh, that's not the first time that, uh, you know, oh, Jamie didn't technically name check him there. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. But, but old Robert Baratheon does get a lot of burn in this episode for an old character who died, you know, only a few episodes into it. And same as Ned Stark, but he always he always gets a lot of talk. Uh, anyway, though, Cersei um, does not want to hear about what Jamie's telling her about Olena really uh, killing Joffrey, and then Jamie kind of convinces her. I guess he figures out what you know what her plan was: get Tommen in there instead, more pliable. It doesn't matter now; all them kids are dead, and that's why Cersei is like, "That's all right. We can get have another one." Apparently, Kyburn had told her that she's pregnant. So I don't know about all this. This seems a little sketchy to me. I think it's at least a 50% possibility that Cersei's just lying to Jamie to keep him on the hook, uh, on the hook here. And, you know, it's, it's really pissing me off. Come on, Jamie. Get it together. Or you could teleport out of rivers and all this. Teleport the hell out of your sister's bedroom and her life. Because this, this is messed up, man. I don't, I'm, I'm sick of this. She's bad. You know that. You know this. Come on. Oh, it's just frustrating to me because... Jamie's my boy, even though on the show here he just doesn't doesn't do it right all the time. Um, what he does do then is um, meet up with Tyrion, but we'll have to backtrack to get back to that. Tyrion did more stuff at the beginning of the episode. He's walking around the battlefield. Um, it's looking toasted everywhere, ashes all over. Actually, the, the remaining living soldiers are marching up to Danny and Drogon on a hill. Cool shot, but... I'd say the the, um, the Tarly slash Lannister living soldiers are, that are marching up to what Danny wants them to do, bend the knee. They were almost reminding me of the Army of the Dead, the way they're shuffling up there slowly, all covered in ash. Um, so that was an interesting parallel, I thought. I don't know if anyone else picked up on that or if that was intentional, but that's what I thought. Then, um, but Tyrion looks a little shell-shocked about all this, kind of like what I talked about last time. He might be starting to, to second-guess his decisions here. He's still Team Danny, of course, but a lot of decisions he made initially against his family were out of anger at his sister, at his father. Now he's seeing the real ramifications of probably all these Lannisters, which are his people still. They probably didn't deserve to go out like this. And then he's trying to talk Danny down a little bit when she's. Most people bend the knee, but a couple of stragglers hold out, including Randall and Dick and Tarly. So. Like I could see this from Randall not wanting to bend the knee. Tyrion tries to say, you know, you, you know, you had no love for Cersei. You, you betrayed uh, Olena, and you know, and Marjorie was killed by Cersei. So what the hell? But he's not. He's still on his kind of racist type of tip, you know, where he's and uh, foreigners are bad, foreign invaders. You're bad, Tyrion, for supporting you and not bending the knee. But Dickon won't bend the knee either. Come on, Dickon. Yeah, I was like shaking my head here. Uh, you know, I would have bent the knee if I was him, but he wants to be, a, you know, a hard man. He wants to be a G. Look his pops, and then they, what ended up happening is they go out together. They get they get burnt up. Uh, not beheaded. They get burnt too, Chris. I was saying, you know, 
give give Drogon a, a tasty snack. It should have should have fed them Tarly's to him, but now she wants to keep burning. Tyrion's there. He's looking concerned. He's looking pretty concerned. Later, he even talks with Varys a little bit about it when they're back on Dragonstone. Like, you know, Mad Queen? Question mark. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Personally, I, I and Varys tries to tell him, you know, you gotta stop it from doing these things. Now, Danny's kind of hypocritical when she's saying like. I'm not here to kill people, but bend the knee, or you will be killed, which happened to them. Everyone else bend the knee then when they saw that Tarly's burn up, but uh, it's a little hypocritical, but it makes sense for a queen. It's not like a mad queen type shit yet, where it, it it's she's following through on what she came to do in that regard, so her methods are harsh, but not crazy or anything yet. We'll see if that happens. I don't know. Not a whole lot of time left for her to go full mad queen if, if they're intending to go that way, you know, Two more episodes this season, supposedly six more for the final season. Eight episodes, it's crazy. Ah, oh, it's depressing. All right, let's let's push on before I get too depressed here in my chambers. Um, what else though? Oh, so so um, Danny lands down on Dragonstone on Drogonback. John's out there chilling, like he always is on the cliffside, brooding. It's it's pretty much he's not doing work in a cave, work of various kinds. Then he's a brooding on a cliffside. That's his M.O. Uh, he decides to get up and close and friendly with Drogon. Give it a little, give the puppy a little petting on the on the schnoz there. And he's a brave man. We already knew this, but uh, you know, Danny meanwhile sees him pet. Now, of course, we know that John's really a Targaryen. Really got confirmed this episode. More on that later, but uh, you know, supposedly I don't know how much they've gone into this in the show and the books. Dragons cotton to certain people, meaning they, they like certain people. Most they don't. Most people are afraid of them. But people with Targaryen blood are usually the dragons are usually cool with. So I don't know if Danny really knows this or is picking up on this with John. But I think when she sees this, she's just getting more and more impressed with him. Maybe a little turned on by him because you know I think uh, Targaryens got a long, long history of incest, and maybe it's uh, maybe it's. Uh, nature over nurture in this case because they don't even know their relatives and you know you know what's going to happen probably by the end of the season if not this season next season they're going to get together i think uh so you know that's how they do it not look in my line my kingdom no we don't fly with that none of this incest stuff but hey this is their the targaryen thing that's fine you know won't judge that but Anyway, uh, Danny keeps trying to espouse that it's you know John calls them the beasts or whatever, and she's like, no, these are my, you know, you were cool and you were getting friendly with them, but don't be calling them beasts. These are my children, you know. Check yourself. And John's like, oh, okay, whatever. But uh, right when then they start talking about what what Davos was letting slip out the other episode about him getting stabbed in the heart, he gets saved from an awkward conversation there by old Sir Jorah. You know, did he hit the teleporting device? He found that in the river and popped over a dragonstone. Who knows? But yeah, he comes in. He's looking good. He got cured of all his grayscale. He got he got lotioned up. That's gone. He got the medication from Sam Tarly. Uh, and it was a nice little parallel here. So and he kind of, you know, Danny gives him a warm welcome. John's kind of looking at him like I, I don't know if John likes him right away. Uh, you gotta think about it this way that you know he was Gior, Jorah's father, Gior Mormont's steward and Gior of course had all the stories about how um, 
Jorah, you know, betrayed the family, disgraced the, the Mormon name. That's why John ended up with the, the sword that rightfully was Jorah's. Uh, and also John would have heard about how his father, in quotes, Ned Stark, was after Jorah's head for slaving. And that's why he ran away and disgraced the family and all that anyway. So not the warmest of welcomes there, although John does tell me, you know, I knew your father and all that. And then, um, but I was, in this whole scene, I was just thinking how funny it is that um, Danny basically just barbecued these two guys that ended up being the two family members of the one guy next door, John, his best friend's two family members, even though he hated his dad, Sam, but still, probably didn't want his brother to, to go out like that. And then the other guy on her right-hand side, uh, the, the two family members, same two members, of course, of the guy who, Sam, who just saved his life, so... You know, you're not really, well, they don't realize this yet, but not really uh, doing your friends a favor there, Danny. Uh, it just shows how complicated the situation is, though. So, uh, but speaking of Sam, he's at the Citadel still, not for much longer, though, because he's finally getting fed up with these maesters. They, they didn't even tell him about his family yet, uh, so he doesn't know about that, but they won't listen to him about the dead marching up north, even though they got a, a raven from Bran. So yeah, I guess we'll backtrack for a sec. Bran, uh, he's doing a little drone work with his ravens. He was scouting out beyond the wall. He went past, oh, just only a little bit past Eastwatch, Eastwatch uh, on the wall there. And uh, the whole, seemingly the whole army of the dead with the Night King himself is there. And when the Night King looks at it, his drones up there, his bird drones, they disperse. So he's like, Bran is, let me write some letters. One goes to John on Dragonstone. We'll talk about it. They have a little council about it. But first, you know, um, the maesters get one. They're choosing to ignore it. Or they're like, oh, we just don't know everything. Let's try to get more information or this and that. They're, they're still trying to take a scientific, analytical approach. They're not acting like it's real life and it's real serious. So Sam's like, enough of this. You know, I saw the White Walker. I killed one myself. It's real. Fuck this. And he goes back to his uh, ways of just uh, flouting, flouting the rules and t taking stuff that doesn't belong to him. But for the greater good, you know, he took his father's sword, which I guess... <laughs> No one's gonna be looking for that now. I uh, took you now. He's taking all these books, and uh, and they're out of there. Him and Gilly. But beforehand, when he's still complaining, Gilly's doing a little reading about Prince Ragger, as she says. And uh, it turns out that even though this blows completely over Sam's head, getting uh, the audience mad at him, um, I'm sure it's gonna come back up later. But and he will find out about it. But apparently, Rhaegar. Uh, annulled his marriage to Ilya of Dorne, legally, through some septon who wrote this, and uh, I guess didn't make it public knowledge, but then they presumably married, annulled so he could legally marry Lyanna Stark, which means that after all this time, John is, we knew he wasn't really Ned Stark's bastard, we thought he still would be Rhaegar's bastard, no, apparently he is legitimate, not a bastard at all. So, Interesting. Again, Sam didn't, didn't pick up on it, though. Maybe he'll go back and watch the episode if he has a little time on the road there in his cart. You know, get a little HBO Go action on your on your iPad there, Sam. Catch up on what you missed. Get right with it. Your boy, John, he's legit, son. No bastard. Anyway, they're in the Council of Dragonstone there, all the players there, and John's saying, Bran's alive, Artie's alive. Cool, but we got more pressing issues. Being that, yeah, the dead are closer than ever, but no one's believing it. Now they're talking about um, 
having a standstill in the war with Cersei, even though Danny's on the offensive now, she's turned the tide against in the war against Cersei, has Cersei on the ropes, but the dead people, maybe they will stop the war a little bit to show them, but they need proof. So this plan seems pretty crazy, I don't know. We know John kind of is a, seems to have a death wish. Uh, but who else has a death wish? Of course, old Sir Jorah. They're willing to go uh, beyond the wall and try to bring back proof, bring back one of these dead soldiers. As Tyrion says, you know, you don't need the whole army, just bring one. I still don't know how logistically they're going to do this, but get more into it because it gets more complicated from here. More players involved. Also then Tyrion, uh, with the help of Davos the Smuggler, goes down to King's Landing. He wants to have a tete-a-tete -tete with his old best bro, Jamie, who of course is still mad at him over killing their father after Jamie had set him free. Even though Jamie does now know that he didn't kill Joffrey. Um, and Joris, I mean, uh, Jamie still freed him even after thinking he did kill Joffrey, but he was more mad about Tywin, I guess. I don't know. He's uh, Jamie just has all type of family issues. But Bronn is the one who sets up the meeting. Then when they do smuggle in, uh, Tyrion gets in there. Now, here's another. All right, so I, I don't have too much to say about the meeting. I, I could have maybe done with a little more longer scene. I don't know, a little more back and forth between Jamie and Tyrion. Maybe I need to watch the scene again, but at least uh, Tyrion laid the, the groundwork for um, getting Cersei to listen to him. Oh, and this actually scene happened before Cersei talked to Jamie and told him all this. No, maybe there was two. No, I can't remember. I guess there was a secondary Jamie Cersei scene later. That's when she told him that yeah, she was pregnant, I guess. And um, and she said she knew that Bronn had set up this meeting, but she let it happen. I don't know if she would have let him. I would, I would have thought she would have tried to get her hands on Tyrion no matter what. But, I mean, if she's playing a different game now, she's going to let Tyrion walk out of King's Landing, but get the information for what he's trying to do. She's, I guess, taking the opportunity to say, hey, if they want to call a little sh momentary truce, I guess we'll do it since we're losing now. I guess that's the idea. I don't know. Anyway, Brown's playing both sides again. He wants to just, he wants the bros to be tight and he wants to get his money from that and not to get burned by a dragon. So fair. But then, uh, meanwhile, Davos pops over to uh, clean up a couple loose ends of his own. That being the often asked for by the fans, the but far removed Gendry, the bastard son of Robert Baratheon. The ladies love him. They love him with the shirt off. Didn't, they didn't get that this up, but um, you know who knows? He's going up north now. Spoiler alert. So I don't know if that shirt's coming off. Sorry, ladies, but uh, m maybe uh, hope it doesn't turn into white and then he uh, won't be pretty anymore. But anyway, he's back in the picture. Seasons later, like literally three seasons later, I think. Uh, or four even, I don't know. Um, he's been busy building weapons, hiding under the gold cloak's nose. No one's looking for him anymore, I guess. I think he's dead, whatever. Um, and he's made himself a nifty warhammer. Now he knows that he's the son of Robert. He's really rolling with that. Um, the, the family lineage here. He's He doesn't need to hear talk from Davos. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I'm getting back in the game with my hammer like my dad had. So they're heading out. Um, now here's here's another logical failure. You pin this one on Davos, I guess, even though I really pin it on the writers. Or uh, I guess the writers wanted to have the scene where they're caught by a couple gold cloaks, and I guess they show what Gendry can do with his hammer. You know, Gendry goes hammer jammer, pops a couple of his poor gold cloaks 
in the noggin. They're done for, and uh, they escape with Tyrion back, smuggle back out of the city. But come on, first of all, Tyrion, throw a disguise on a hood over yourself. You're famous dwarf with a scar. Come on. And you're on broad daylight. Now that one's on Davos, even though, like I said, it's on the writers. They wanted to have the scene during the day, I guess, to show it better. Probably, I'm thinking, but come on, a smuggler would now come in at night, cover of night. Come on. All right, so more logical failures, but that's fine. Whatever. Brush past that. Like I said, we're moving around so quickly now. All back and forth. Uh, so then they're back on Dragonstone. Gendry is met up by John. Now Davos doesn't want Gendry to reveal who he is, the son of Robert. Gendry doesn't care about that, though. He immediately tells John who he is. And uh, John, of course... Uh, hasn't been watching on his iPad either, so he doesn't know he's not really a bastard. They think they're bastards, and their fathers were the friends. Even though, as we as we know, actually Gendry's father ended up killing John's real father uh, with that aforementioned hammer in uh, his rebellion. But anyway, uh, John's real father, even though it's not really his, you know, he grew up and then as his father, even though it's adopted. So. It, it was also calling back, uh, I think it was episode one of season one, maybe episode two. I think episode one, though, where uh, Robert and co. come to Winterfell, and they, they, he sees Ned, Ned and him meet each other for the first time in years, and they're kind of insulting each other, digging at each other, uh, giving a little roast action. You know, not dragon roast, but, you know, roast battle action. And Gendry and uh, John, even though this is the first time they're meeting, they fall into some of that, you know, hey, you're not big like your, your pops. Well, you're short, and I like how they call that. Exactly, Kid Harrington, who plays Jon Snow, actually is pretty short in real life, so they're they're putting that on Front Street there. And you can tell he's, he's short, because like, actually when you look at him next to Daenerys, who's Amelia Clark, that actress is really short. He's not much taller than her, so, you know. Little uh, meta joke there. Oh, I, and uh, remiss of me to skip past the most meta joke of all, that I'm certain the writers got directly from the online memes. And that's when Davos says to to Gendry, oh, I figured you'd still be rowing. So if you've been on any type of uh, GOT, internet, uh, Twitter, anything, Reddit, whatever, in the last uh, couple of years, you'll definitely see that Gendry, or Gendry, hard G on, on the Gendry, uh, still rowing meme. So that was directly called out. I, I'm fine with a little meta humor once in a while, though, so that's fine. That, that's not like the, the poor leaps in logic, which I don't like. But we're dealing with it here. We're dealing with it. So, um, they're about to put together quite a squad, but uh, before that happens, we take a little trip to Winterfell. The Stark sisters, you know, they're kind of falling back into their old ways. On one hand, you're you're upset as a viewer that come on, you've been through so you both been through so much, your family's been through so much, you're back together. Get in lockstep here, get on the same page, and do it right. You know, be a family. Fuck Littlefinger. Fuck your enemies. Be sisters, be together, but there. On the other hand, though, it, it may be realistic that you would you haven't seen your sibling in so long. You do fall back into your old ways a little bit, act act like you used to, and that that was Arya and Sansa not getting along as much. So Arya doesn't tr- uh, trust Sansa, or or that Sansa is the best at heart. She really wants to, even though she hasn't met up with Jon Snow again. Arya, she knows he's the king. She wants the his subjects, including Sansa and everyone, to do whatever John wishes. And, of course, again, they're not happy. 
because I guess he wrote a letter saying, I'm not coming back. I need to make another pit stop north of the wall. So he's not really being kingly in that regard of staying in the north ruling. We understand what he wants to do, even though his plan's kind of crazy to, to get some proof here. But, you know, I think they would want proof too because a lot of his other northerners haven't seen the real threat either. Mostly just the, the wildlings have and, and the Night's Watch. But So they, they should want proof too. I mean, they made John King and they, they're believing him about this dead people. So I don't know. I, I I suppose, even though they didn't explicitly say it, that John made Sansa his heir. Obviously, there's no children, so kings need heirs. I assume that Sansa, in effect, she's ruling right now, Lady of Winterfell. And she has some good points here, like t telling Arya, you know, uh, we have to play the political game. The lords of the Vale are, are here to support me, really, not John, which is true. And Lord Roy says it himself, and, you know, it's true. She's got to keep it together. I was signing... And in the scene here with Arya and Sansa, I was siding more with Sansa to be quite honest. Even though Arya is one of my favorites, you know, I didn't, I didn't really like her attitude in this episode. She's really acting, you know, like she can't trust anyone. But um, and she's digging at Sansa for like staying in their parents' room, having nice clothes and stuff. Come on, Arya, settle down. But what happens then is Arya's on the mission, little mission impossible. Little spy stuff, spying all over on Lord Baelish. Now, this is another thing. Realistically, if this was like the book, or if this was real, whatever. If you know, it's funny to say like if all this magic was real, like the magic that Ari can do, or whatever it is to put other people's faces on. I get on the show; they just want to show the actress Maisie Williams. You know, uh, that's why she isn't wearing someone else's face when she's spying. But come on, put someone else's faces on if you're gonna spy. Um, you know, she thinks she's slick. She sees Littlefinger in the hallway talking to the maester about some scroll. She goes and finds a scroll that was really planted, though she doesn't know that. Uh, and it, what it appeared to be was what Sansa, the note that Sansa was coerced to write all the way back toward the end of season one to Rob, her brother, saying to come down south, bend the knee to old King Joffrey. Uh, now... It's pretty clear that Sansa was coerced to do this. I don't really know why Arya would, would not believe that. Maybe they're setting up something where they won't have the real conversation about it, where they could find out, and she'll just Arya will take some method, uh, to take some matters into her own hands, um, and that's going to cause even more issue. You know, I don't really know, but I still don't think this is uh, this is like going to lead to anywhere Littlefinger winning but but he did get the better of Arya in this one he's, he's shown to be a few steps ahead of her he's the king of the creepers creeping in hallways he doesn't even need uh, extra faces doesn't have that ability doesn't need it he's uh, he set Arya up here so we'll, we'll see he's playing a game now again you could say why aren't they just asking Bran what's going on since he's Bran seems to have proven to them that he knows things he shouldn't know he could see things I guess maybe they the sisters just don't trust him yet either they're creeped out by him for some good reason, especially Sansa, after what Bran told her, but I do think in the, that he'll probably step in here or, or help, I hope he helps them out in some way and, and gets them all, all the siblings on the same page here and gets Littlefinger, you know. I want to see Bran cut this guy's head off at this point. Come on now. But Baelish is showing he's still in the game. He, you know, he's got his back up against the wall, but he's, you know, he's a pro for a reason, so we'll see. Now, that should, I don't think I missed anything else big other than the big team-up. Uh, what we might call this, people are calling it online, the Suicide Squad or the, um, the uh, 
Magnificent Seven, because it ends up being seven guys going north of the wall. Uh, like the Suicide Seven, maybe I'll call it. You know, John R., uh, Gendry agreed, uh, agreed to go with him and Jorah up to Eastwatch to treat with Tormund, because uh, they want to go get that proof. Now, I would, I guess John's like, oh yeah, come along, Gendry, even though we just met, you know, we can use all the help we can get, but I thought Davos brought him in to, you know, Gendry in to, other than just to keep an eye on him, uh, also, I would I would have thought to help with the weapons making with the dragon glass, because that's what Gendry's skill is, making weapons, he's a smith, so it's kind of risky to send him north where you could easily, I don't know if they're <laughs> introducing him back just to kill him next episode or what, but you know, could allocate your your weapons maker better here, but uh, John does what he wants, uh, and Gendry wants to go. So they go up, meet with Tormund. Um, Tormund's like, you're crazy, you really want to go back north again? He's like, yeah, I do, and you, you got to bring a couple of your meds. So uh, also with the, the seven, the suicide seven, we get in the background, there's a couple of what we could call dead meats coming along too, I guess, that are Tormund's men, but... It, you know, they won't be long for this world, I'm sure. Not, not named characters. But that's four, though, plus the dead meat. So making up the squad, filling it out, the roster. The seven is in the cell. Apparently, we we hadn't seen these guys since episode one this season, but Thoros Amir, Beric Dondarrion, the uh, unkillable one, and the legend himself, the Fuking Hound. They, uh, Tormund's men caught them creeping around at Eastwatch because they saw in the fire they should go there. And, uh, sorry, hounds barking outside the keep here, outside Cashley Pod. Hopefully someone puts a lid on those hunting hounds. But anyway, uh, the hound, Beric, and Thoros got jailed by Tormund. And, but they're like, hey, we want to come with you north of the wall. And this scene was, alright, so, setting all this up, getting all these characters together, I will say, it is contrived, there's no doubt. But... That being said, I can get past it because it is pretty cool, the Suicide 7. I, you know, it's cool seeing all these characters interact, even when the other three are still in jail, another four are on the other side, or another five. Who's, um, Davos is there too, even though he's not going. He's not part of the squad. He's like, you know, I'm a more of a coach type of guy uh, from the sidelines or like a GM. You know, I'm not going to go into battle. You know, you don't want me there. I'm not a good fighter. I'll be a liability, you know. <laughs> and he'd said before too, you know, he's... Listen to me. I've, I've lived. I'm the only one here who's lived to a ripe old age. Oh, Jorah's getting up there too. I don't know if Jorah's supposed to be much younger than Davos, but um, anyway, though, Davos is hanging back. But the seven are coming out, and it, like I was leading up to, yeah, it was cool to see them all interact. Like they all have different things. Like Tormund's like, oh, you're a Mormon. I don't like you. I don't like you. Uh, and Gendry obviously doesn't like the the three in the jail cell because uh, they sold him to you know. Um, Thoros and Beric sold him to the, the Red Witch, Melisandre, to be killed, presumably. They said so they were cool with that at one time, but, you know, they, they are on the same page now, because John says, uh, we're all on the side, same side, the side of the living and breathing, the man. So, you see him going out with a cool shot of them, walking out of Eastwatch, walking beyond the wall, one more time into the breach there, and that's going to be next episode, hopefully be a nice long one. Uh, this episode is pretty long, but I want an even longer one for the next two. Come on, only seven episodes. Get this length up. It's gonna. We already had the Battle of Fire, the Field of Fire this season, last episode. Spoils of War. This one, they haven't told us what the name is yet, episode six, but it's going to be something about uh, up north. It's going to be the Battle of Ice. It's going to be crazy. I'm expecting probably at least half these characters to die, to be honest. The only ones I'm calling for sure safe, John, obviously... 
um, will be safe. And I think the Hound will be safe because, like I've been saying, they, they still set up this quick game ball. He'll be, a, you know, his undead brother, Gregor, riding with Cersei still. They got to fight still. So those two I'm calling safe. Gendry, I don't know. Did they bring him back just to kill him? I'm 50-50 on that. Jorah, this could be his time. You never know. Um, Thoros and Beric, I think, for sure, are done for. Um, and then, who, who else? Oh, Tormund, I'm also 50-50 on. I don't know. Maybe the, the free folk, the wildlings, I mean, he's the last one we really know from that contingent. Maybe we'll just write them off. But maybe not. I mean, he's a great fighter, so uh, who, who's to say? Those dead meats, though, are dead meat. Um, and I, I still don't know what their plan exactly. I didn't see any cage or anything. Or I assume they got something like that to try to put one of these uh, whites in, one of the dead men to bring back his proof. Again, this is a pretty crazy plan. I mean, they probably could have thought something better, but I don't know. They're doing it. Should be a cool episode. So we'll be back next week for that. You know, will I have the council together next week? A council? Who's to say at this point? Can I leave my chambers? I don't know. Usurpers everywhere. Poisoners. People want to stick me for my paper. I don't know. Uh, but hopefully I'll get into the council. Though I need some wise counsel. You know, it's tough work up here doing it all myself on the pod, even though I am equal to the task as the king of the pod. But what I really want y'all to do for me is, if you're not subscribed to Brooklyn Rebound Network, come on. Go, go on iTunes or wherever else. You know, this podcast is everywhere, I think. Go subscribe to this bad boy, you know. You could, you could uh, give it a, a star rating. You could write a review. That would be helpful. Uh, you could also, you know, uh, listen to another cool podcast called Voices in Your Head that uh, I'm on with um, my good friend, comedian Aaron Rosen. He does a lot of great impressions. We got a look. If you like improv comedy, you'll check out Voices in Your Head. And you also should check out our other show, President the Pod Trump Takeover, uh, or uh, Trump Takeover Pod Pod Trump Takeover Podcast. I should know the name of the damn show that I'm trying to promote here, but that's another improv-based show. That's mostly the one character of uh, everyone's favorite or least favorite President Pod Trump. But my boy Aaron does a good good impersonations. He's a very funny guy, so check those out. But especially stay subscribed to Brooklyn Rebound Network, and uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Drew Wills. And uh, yeah. King of the Padru signing out. Peace. Valar Amargulas. Mm-hmm.